Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 53rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court, Carolina thought he'd travel with it. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park, rebound oh. is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk! Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebound. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. Felton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. A battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores. 17 seconds left. 79-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Carolina returns to action against number 24 Michigan tomorrow night in the Smith Center, 9-15 Eastern Time on ESPN. We're going to give you a breakdown of the Michigan Wolverines, preview the matchup in depth, give our keys to the game pick the game and all that great stuff. But before we do that, we start with the pod thought of the day. We don't go to a former Carolina person today, but we do go to one of the greats in the history of college basketball, John Wooden, who, of course, won 10 national championships with the UCLA Bruins back in the 60s and 70s. And I really put this in there for my co-host, Anthony, so he can really let this one take it to heart. John once said, what is right is more important than who is right. Man, I feel like that should be your life motto because you always think you're right, and most of the time you're never right. I, I think I'm more right than I am wrong. No, nah, I don't think so. And I'm right about what's what should be right, not what actually is right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> No, I really don't. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Oh, man. So there is, uh, there's your pod thought of the day. We've, we, you know, we've 
had a lot of Carolina guys, some Dean Smith, Roy Williams, mixing some Hubert Davis, some Anson Dorrance. But we've also mixed in some other people in our great game. Yeah, never forget when you mix in Jay Billis. Jay God. Billis will make an appearance again. Unbelievable. We got John Wood, and you'll probably hear a Bob Knight on here at some point. Dickie V. There will be a Jim Valvano at some point. But oh there will be a yeah. There there will be a specified reason when we nah, go. Jim, Jim Valvano can be in there. when we go to Jimmy V. But uh, let's talk about Michigan, man. Wolverines enter the season with high expectations. Preseason top five team, trendy pick to win the Big Ten, make the Final Four, cut down the nets, and potentially win the national championship in New Orleans. Right now, that doesn't look too promising. Stop with the accents, man. That was good. Come on. That was was awful. They they sit like Carolina does, four and two. Um, but they're still ranked. They're ranked 24th in the country. Carolina, after their one win last week, and despite a crazy weekend, a week in college basketball over the Thanksgiving holiday, they still remain unranked, but rightfully so. Michigan enters with uh, with seven players, averaging five points a game or more, so a balanced scoring attack led by names that we're very familiar with, those of us that watch college basketball. Eli Brooks, 15.7 points per game, and then the anchor of their team, Hunter Dickinson. The big reason why they were a trendy pick and still are a trendy pick to win the Big Ten Conference and make a deep run in March um, was the return of Hunter Dickinson who's averaging 14.8 points per game um, this season. But, you know, as I mentioned, they've had they've had their issues and their two losses. They lost at home to Seton Hall and Arizona. Arizona blasted them, 80-62. to 62. They really made Michigan grind and work in the half court. And I think that's been the biggest thing so far for them this season is – their half court offense isn't what it's used to. that's not what it has been in years past and that's you know look that's fair they've lost some guys to the NBA Jordan Poole who's now a, a star on the Golden State Warriors and, and among some other guys they've lost some pieces but Jawan Howard has proven to be a quality head coach he's one of the best young stars in college basketball um, and, and Michigan is poised to turn this thing around this season. Yeah, I mean, they, you would imagine. That, I mean, there's a reason they came in with as high of expectations as they did. Now, personally, I think from what we've seen from Purdue, most of us would probably say even if we did predict that Michigan was going to win the Big Ten preseason, we might want to adjust that just a little bit because Purdue might be – the the second best team in the country right now yeah right up near there Purdue's national title good yeah they they are definitely on that level um, but as you mentioned I mean this is a team that's not scoring the ball all that well uh, they have scored just eighty or more points once mm-hmm. so far this season that was in their season opener uh, you know you have the loss to Arizona which is concerning enough but then their last outing they struggled with Tarleton State. Hey, Tarleton so, State, they got some guys. They did who who? Who the guys? They just got guys. Who them guys? By the way, did you see a team the other day named the Academy of Art beat a 
a uh, group of five, like lower division one opponent. What? Yeah. Oh man, I, I, I a, a, I'm a, tell a you. private art academy. Want to the art the art institute here in Charlotte? They oh wanna, no, that's out of business. They want a college basketball game. God, man, I, I'm telling you, college football was crazy this year. I think. College basketball could be even crazier. Well, I think the best we sport could in the world. see some unbelievable upsets. Like we've already seen Dayton, who had some just horrendous losses to yeah. begin the season. This was not your typical Dayton team. Go in and then upset Kansas. I, I mean, I now back to back to the team that we're talking about here. It's just to me, I don't see that that guy from the outside that is automatic they have had that guy for the last couple of well, seasons well losing Isaiah Livers has really been detrimental to them definitely I mean look e- Eli Brooks I mean he the, the numbers look really good for him he, he is gonna be the biggest challenge for Carolina in this game no doubt about it but I mean it it really is him and Hunter Dickinson, and that's really it. Yep, there's not, team. yeah, there's not a, a lot more to this team, and I think that that is what has allowed teams like Seton Hall and Arizona, especially Seton Hall, which is a team that year in and year out is built to sort of upset those types of those types of teams, yeah. especially under Kevin Willard, who mm-hmm. is a fantastic head coach. Exactly. They pulled that upset, and I don't, you know, looking at this team, you shouldn't be overly shocked. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, they don't shoot the three at well at all. I mean, they're shooting 29% from deep, which is 303rd in the country. Um, and, and, I mean, overall, I mean, they're, they're the, the good news for them is that inside, their two-point shooting percentage is very high. Now, that's the concern for Carolina. Is this a team that's going to be able to drive the basket? But I think a lot of that has to do with Hunter Dickinson. And I don't know about you. I like the matchup of Hunter Dickinson and Armando Baycott. I think Armando is apt to handle that especially a lot more than he was a year ago. Well, I think in this game, I think whoever's front court – dominates or has the better night collectively let it it's going to be led by Mondo and usually in these types of games Armando comes ready to play and he's he's ready to go to play for 40 minutes this will be a front court game for Carolina if their front court it's not to the same test of like what what Purdue threw at you because Purdue has length and they were physical Michigan is also very physical and that's going to be a really big test for Carolina. So more on the matchup with Michigan. This is a familiar matchup that we've seen the last couple of years. Third time within the last five seasons, these two these two teams have played in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Fourth time in the last five years overall, we've seen them because we saw them in the battle for Atlantis, and we're going we're going to see them next year. In, we'll, isn't that the MJ Classic? Yeah, the Jordan that, Invitational starts next year. You know, you know, it's going to be um, them first. They, it's got to be. Carolina overall against Michigan, pedestrian, 4-4. Four and four. But we know the biggest of those four wins back in 1993. Beat them when it matters. In the That's Superdome about. when Chris Weber called a timeout he did not have. And Carolina prevailed. Also traveled. And he did. And the national title game. More or interestingly enough, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Carolina just 10-12 and 12 overall. Mm. 
and they haven't then they've lost three straight the last time they won in this event at home against Michigan back in Joel Berry and Theo Pinson's final season in Carolina well here's the other thing to remember about this this is not balanced so this is not well you know one year they played Rutgers and they got beat would be nice you we you you play consistently well, last year it was at Iowa the one year of the be- one of the best teams the year before that it was Ohio State one of the best teams that year in the Big Ten and the year before that was the Michigan. was it was at Michigan yeah remember that was when Kobe White and those boys went up there and got spanked I mean look it's consistently been Michigan Ohio State Michigan State Indiana when they've been good yep. And even when they haven't been good, they, they, it, you always seem to go there. They never come to Chapel Hill. Those are consistently – so I think that stat is a little bit misleading. Well, that stat would make you think, well, they've never played – well, they, they how are they struggling against when they rotate all these different teams? Well, you always seem to get matched up with a team that's at their height of a run or is a long-time staying power like Michigan State. I just set the scene – for a must win if there ever was one on in December 1st in college basketball. This is an enormous game, not just for Carolina. This is an enormous game for Hubert Davis. You had eight days off, coming off a less than impressive win against UNC of Asheville, which followed you getting... Oh, going 0-2 in a Hall of Fame tip-off classic where you felt really good about one loss, and 24 hours later you felt disgusted about a second loss. And we cut the team and the coaching staff slack saying, hey, they flew out of Connecticut Sunday night, got back home late Sunday night, so of course you didn't practice. You had a Monday practice, if you want to call it, more of a walk-through, shoot-around. Then you just went out there and played. It was understandable to a certain degree as to why Carolina didn't play great in that game. Also, two days before Thanksgiving, a lot of guys are ready to go home, see their families, and eat some turkeys. But now it's go time. You've got a top 25 opponent in your building tonight or tomorrow night. You've got a road ACC game later this weekend. There aren't many times in the schedule that if you lose, you can look at yourself and say, we learned a lot about who we are. Whether it's against Michigan, even Georgia Tech, even though you'll have 19 more ACC games, and then that game against UCLA the week before Christmas. I stressed when we recapped the UNC Asheville game, they got to get one of their two against Michigan or UCLA. You can't go 0 and 4 in marquee games and non-conference and feel pretty good that you learned about who you, learned about who you are in the non-conference season, in the non-conference season. Put this game at home after a week off. It only adds the pressure for Carolina to win and play well doing so. Yeah, and look, this should be the best environment that Carolina's had no all doubt. season at home. So, the, I mean, you're, you're going to have everything going behind you. And look, this Michigan team really isn't that great. I, I'm going to tell you exactly what this Michigan team is. This Michigan team is a ranked version of yourself. They are, I mean, now they don't score the ball the way you do. But they don't have the defensive issues that you do. So, but but one end of the floor, they are struggling more than most people expected that they would. 
And look, I mean, even in some of the other categories, they turn the ball over 15 times a game. They only average 13 and a half assists. So, th- I mean, this is not a great basketball team that you are facing. Mm-hmm. This is the one, if out of the two, I, I can't stress this enough. This is the one that you need out of those two. Yes. You, I, I don't want to say there's no chance you go to Las Vegas and win. Is that that's where it's at this year? I right? believe so. That UCLA team is legit. Yes. And if you don't win this game, and you're banking on that game being the one that you win. Man, that's a. I mean, you're well, talking about a ton of pressure for a team that right now, I I don't like that's. It's hard to say at this point because that Purdue team was really really good. That UCLA team though may ultimately end up being better in the long run. You also, and I know it's we got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. Although we are. <laughs> We are somehow almost a, a month through. The ACC doesn't appear to have the type of bounce back season. Oh no! I anticipated the conference having most general basketball people anticipated this conference having meaning that you can usually bank during ACC play to get ten, twelve quad one opportunity wins on your schedule. You're not going to get all those wins. But you usually have a handful of games where you can snack up quad one wins to build your resume for your seating in the NCAA tournament. What really killed Carolina last year wasn't what their record was. You can you can have a pretty good record if you're nineteen or if you're eighteen and ten. If you've got a handful of quad one wins. But because the ACC was down, they didn't have many of those. Yeah. So they got seated where they should have been seated to begin with on that eight line because of what their resume stood. This is a chance to get your first signature win under your new head coach, which could really propel your season in the right direction. Well, and, and I mean, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. I mean, look at the fact that – Say that again. You're, you're right. Look, one, more, I, one more time. Look at the fact that – I'm not saying it again. Okay. Look at the fact that – the ACC out of the gate this season. I mean, dare I say they might be worse than last year? There's definitely an argument that the conference because the the other the, I think, but the it's team like, that we thought was not going to go anywhere. I think it's like wait, well, I'll say this until I die. Uh, the reputation of the league falls on the shoulders of the two teams separated by eight miles. Yeah. One team's going to go there into the bargain. Duke's legit. <laughs> Duke, Duke's probably right oh, now. Oh, I hate it so much. That That's oh, the best team in the true. country. Yeah. You, you can't argue it. They've beaten some legit teams, and they've looked pretty doggone good doing it. Yeah. If Carolina holds up there into the bargain, all of a sudden the ACC's a really good conference, and Duke and Carolina are just really, really good again. So, I mean, yeah. So that's, I, I, I th- guess that's what's at stake. Th- the problem is, is there right now, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have the polls in front of me. But if I had to get th- – there is no other team besides Duke that is right. It's just Duke. That is – I mean, that is unheard of. And, and you I started with Carolina, Florida State. Florida State. And Virginia. And Virginia was right on the back end. And I'm going to be honest. I did not – 
I did not see either Florida State or Virginia dropping off as much as as much as they did. I'm most shocked by how steep of a drop we've seen from Virginia. Because I look, not clearly not his biggest fan because of how successful he's been against Carolina. Tony Bennett is one of the ten best coaches in college basketball right now. And the fact that they have struggled the way they have out of the gate so far this year is shocking. And I don't know of any other t- – like, I think I think Mike Young is a heck of a coach. I don't know if Virginia Tech is a team that's going to jump up there and be a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament. So what I'm saying is you're – if you want to build a tournament resume, it starts now. I mean, believe it or not, you you got a couple opportunities right here. Now, look, especially somebody in the ACC is going to get hot. Well, especially Syracuse. not not splitting in in Connecticut. Yeah, like, that's why like yeah. splitting splitting was important for a lot of different reasons. Like you wanted to get a big win, you wanted to get some confidence, you wanted to take some steps. You took step in one game, you took three steps back the next game. But if you get one win, that's that's going to be a quad one win four months from now. Well, you didn't get one of those. Well, now for the rest of the non-conference season, you've only got two chances to get a, a quad one win. That's Michigan at home, UCLA on the road, Georgia Tech, at, depending on how the season plays out, if you win that game, could transform into a quad one win. But that's a conference game. And again, like we've said, I, I just... But when they go there on know. Sunday, it will not be a quad one type of oh, game. Oh, no. This is, if Carolina wants to take, you want to prove that these ex, these eight days you got better, you win the game. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, you should there should not be any excuse for not having energy in this game because as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, this will be the best crowd that you will have. You are coming off of a long enough layoff where this will be the third you best be crowd you'll have maybe all year. Yeah, and and the other thing is is look, you you should I mean, you better have been workshopping things over this this stretch. I know I did. There there definitely are things that I sent diagrams should have been working on. Okay. Uh, there, there are definitely things that you should have been working on, especially on the defensive end of the floor, that need to be shown in this game. Mm-hmm. This is one where there should be no question that the effort level is there from word go. This should not be they slept walk through the start or whatever. They need to play this game like it's one of – the most important games of their season, which is the truth. And I think I, I definitely think they can win this game. No doubt in my mind they can win this game. And I think they should win this game. But it's going to be about how do you find a way to execute against a team that has had pretty good success against you in you know the recent matchups. We're going to take a quick break, play you this week's ad from DraftKings, then we're going to come back, give our keys to the game, pick the game. we got one closing note for you before we do get out of this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. 
New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great promos I've been giving you over here on the four-corner side of things. As for Anthony on the Heel Tough blog side of things. Time for keys to the game for Carolina, Michigan. The first thing I put down is master physicality, their level of toughness. Michigan, they don't play dirty. But Jawan Howard made his reputation in the NBA as a guy coming off the bench being a tough guy. When he was a member of the Fab Five back in the 90s, the same team Carolina beat in that 93 title game, he was a tough guy. So Michigan embodies what their head coach is. They're physical, they're tough, and they kind of take on that Michigan mindset where they're, you know, they're going to rough you up and they're going to make you work and earn everything you got for 40 minutes. The reason why we should be confident that Carolina will do that was because they went blow for blow against Purdue, right? Yeah. And I, and I thought that was really, really encouraging, and I think Purdue's at a higher level than Michigan is. Yes. But Michigan's going to come in scrappy. They know that right now they've got to make the game ugly to give themselves the best chance to win because they're clearly going through some things. This this doesn't come back to the bigs. This starts with the backcourt. This starts with Caleb Love. It starts with R.J. Davis taking the onus of being strong with the ball, but also defensively setting that tone and, and letting them understand you're not going to come into our building and push us around. We're going to make you work. We're going to be physical with you. We're going to be tough with you. If Carolina isn't physical in this game, they don't have a chance of winning, I don't think. I, I mean, no, I'm I'm 100% with you on that. I think especially inside against Hunter Dickinson, you need, you need Armando to be able to match – his physicality, and yeah, I, I think just as as a team overall, let's drive. Let, let's see a team that drives the basket and can finish at the rim, that can get to the free throw line, and 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 do what was making them so successful uh, in the first few games of the year when they drove the basket. They've got to be a, a team that can finish. I, I said it um, in the last edition of the podcast that we did. Or well, I don't know how these how these are. These are sequenced, these podcasts that are. Yes, are right. last edition that we did. Okay. Um, yeah, that is right. You said the number, book. but um, I said this is a team. One of the things that concerns me a little bit about them is that they have struggled at times finishing at the rim with layups. They've got to do that in this game. Mm-hmm. If you bring that physical nature to this game, uh, yeah, you, you'll you'll be able to win because yeah, this is a hard nosed basketball team and. 
no offense, the last time that you saw a team like this, I mean, Purdue had it a little bit. Last time you saw a team that wants to play like this was Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament. And you got boat raced. So we'll see. It's a new it's it's a different head coach from then. What what kind of mindset does this team come out with? But I feel like I feel like some guys are angry on this team. Mainly, I I, I wonder how much of an effect Brady Manick's comments had on some of these guys in the locker room that made them look themselves in the mirror and say, we got to step it up. I know I looked myself in the mirror, and I knew I had to step myself up, and that's why I've elevated my podcasting ability. Second key, this may be a key for every game for the remainder of history, but I have a a, a buy – uh, you know, a follow-up to it. And that's limit the turnovers. We have talked at length about Carolina's turnover issues. The biggest the biggest reason is this. You're not going to get 70, 80 possessions in this game, most likely. Michigan. No, and I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing. But either. also, Michigan is not going to want to run with you. They've had teams in the past that could get up and down and they could they could score with you and play with you under Jawan Howard, but mainly under John Beeline. They're not at the same pace right now. They need to make this a 55-60 possession game. You've been kind of more on the side of things that Carolina needs to slow the tempo down. I disagree with that because I'll never agree with that. But, but, do, as but we, do you understand what I'm saying? I under, Which is why I'm saying those the, the possessions are going to be less which means they're going to be more important. Mm-hmm. You've got to value the basketball a lot more. You no turn the doubt. ball, you turn no the ball over 15 or more times in this game, you're going to be hard-pressed to win. See, I think this one is twofold. I think it's limit turnovers on your end. And force them on the You've other. You've got to be able to force turnovers. 8.7 force turnovers a game. And that's, you're going up against, that's mind-blowing. You're going up against a team now that's averaging 15 turnovers a game. Yeah. They're averaging more turnovers than you are. So clearly, this is not a team that values the basketball all that well. This is one of those games where you've got to start to show, look, we're going to start. That, that's one of the ways to mask some of your defensive inefficiencies is by forcing turnovers and getting at – that's the place where if you get out on the break there – that can allow you to create some of those easy baskets in transition to get to the free throw line. Those are the types of things that you need to be able to do in a game like this. Because yeah, if you lose the turnover battle in this game, you're you're. Pre- I don't see a way you're going to win this game unless you just shoot the lights out. Because. Like I said, I mean, look, this is not a great three-point shooting team, but when this team steps inside the arc, they're pretty they're pretty efficient. So, you've got to it, 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 limiting turnovers is just it is so important to the success of how Carolina wants to play, and especially if they're wanting to slow it down like we're saying here. In this type of game where the possessions are limited, if you turn the ball over, I would say more than probably 10 or 11 times, you're going to put yourself in danger of losing this crucial game. The last thing I put down is you got to play through the big fellow Armando Baycott. Michigan only has three guys 6'10 or taller. So like you, they're not very big in the front court. Um, now Hunter Dickinson is 7'1". They got Musa Dibate, who is 6'11". 
And then you add in Jared Folds. He's 6'10". Dickerson's the only guy that we think could probably handle Armando Baycott for 40 minutes mm-hmm. just from a physical, you know, athletic standpoint. When he's involved and he's the focal point of Carolina's offense, this team plays its best offense. Yeah. And usually in these types of games, we saw it last year, when it mattered, the ball went 2-5 and Carolina looked pretty good. So far this year, when Carolina's needed a bucket, they've gone 2-5 and they've usually gotten a bucket, they've gotten a foul, or something positive in that possession. He needs to be the focus point from the from the opening tip until the final horn. You play through him, it'll open the floor for Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. I do think Kerwin Walton needs to get back in rhythm. He needs to become a bigger part of this offense. I think Manic and Dawson Garcia will need to play well. It's easier for all those things to happen when Armando Baycott's the best player on the floor. Yeah, and look, you've get, you've got to be strategic about how you get the ball into him because look, people know that that is and should be your game plan. Part of the reason that I felt like they've had issues at times is every time they come up the floor immediately let's go inside to Armando Baycott. Look, you want him to get a touch on every possession but that doesn't necessarily mean you cross the timeline and immediately try to force whatever pass you can to him inside. I agree with you that, especially I think in the first halves this season, when you've needed baskets, going to Armando Baycott is really your only option. I think in the second half, you've started to see other guys step up. R.J. Davis, um, you know, had a spectacular game earlier in the season uh, for Carolina, and and you've seen that from Brady Manick throughout the year as well. But you need... You're, you, this is a game where Armando has to be at his best. He needs to go blow for blow against a guy that he's probably going to see a lot of on the defensive end in Hunter Dickinson and, mm-hmm. and should see a lot of because these guys, I mean, two very similar players. Their numbers are basically right in the same category uh, as each other, both averaging uh, 14 or more points this year and both averaging around eight rebounds. So very similar players. I think this matchup fares, you know, for him very well. And, you know, let's see if he can take advantage of it. And and this is the type of matchup where this is the first time this year where he's had a matchup with a guy that's probably going to be able to match him on the offensive end, this is the first. This is one that you've got to see Armando start to. He's got to start to win these matchups against these top-rated big men, if you want to take Carolina to the next level and and get them back to where we expect them to be year in and year out. This is that first real test, and we'll see how he handles it. Basketball Power Index gives Carolina a fifty-seven point one percent chance to beat Michigan on their home floor or on Carolina's home floor for clarification. I think Carolina gets that first signature win because it's going to be really hard-pressed 
for Hubert Davis and this team to remain positive and upbeat if you had a week to prepare for this game and you don't play well and you don't win. And Hubert Davis will never admit this publicly, and I don't blame him because there are guys like me who would fend off of that. He's feeling the pressure. He knows he needs a win just because, you know, that's that's what he's getting paid to do is to win basketball games. You get a win like this – It'll soften the blow from those two losses in Connecticut. You'll feel a little bit more confident, especially with an ACC game later this weekend, and you'll understand that it's still a transition period, but you're transitioning and moving in the right direction. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think at home, this is a big moment for Carolina basketball, and and this this feels like the most gettable one at a conference. And I don't feel like this is a team that's going to go winless against their major conference opponents at a conference. So, um, yeah, I I think the matchup is really good. I I think the fact that Michigan's coming in struggling a little bit and kind of limped their way into this matchup as well really helps you. Um, And I I think this is the type of offense – that, you know they're going to want to play slow, which I think benefits the struggles that Carolina is having defensively, because teams have just been scoring in bunches because of how fast the pace has been. So I I, I think this this one favors Carolina well. I like the fact that you know Armando Baycott uh, should be able to match up inside against Hunter Dickinson um, about as well as you would expect. I would have said if they matched up last year. Ah, probably not as confident with what we saw from Dickinson as a freshman. But I think that Armando has taken a lot of steps this offseason. You can see that with how he's played in the first six games. Um, And I I think that, you know, going back to some of the things that we talked about in the last edition of the podcast on the offensive end, I think you're going to see another guy or two that's going to step up and give you – a productive night on the offensive end. I think Carolina's just got a little too much offensively for this Michigan team, and I think they win this one as well and get a huge win for Hubert Davis uh, to put on the resume here in his first year as head coach. Just one closing note for today's pod. Antoine Jameson was inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame a week ago. Congrats to Antoine. And it just adds to Carolina's legacy as a as a college basketball program, both in the College Basketball Hall of Fame and, of course, you already know the, link, the, the, the names that we have in the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. And as well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before I let you go, I want to get you guys to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where you can find a preview of the, the game against Michigan up on the website. Site. There will be a recap up as well as I continue to take you through the college basketball season. Football side of things, go back, catch up on all the NC State stuff with an NC State recap. There will be a stock report up. But Anthony did put an article up about coaches on the football staff that could come back or, sh- or you know, we would be okay with coming back with coaches that uh, we are ready to move on and depart from out from Carolina. So check out that while you're on the website as we got you covered with all things football and basketball for the podcast side of things we're on the basketball podcast network we are on uh, megaphone but we are on uh, every major podcasting platform itunes iHeartRadio, spotify tune in google podcast you name it the four corners podcast is there give it a like give it a review but we want you guys to subscribe that way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library well that's going to wrap up this edition of the four corners podcast i want to thank anthony for hosting 
listening with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>